Yip Talk, the Your Investment Property Podcast. The economic grind of the COVID-19 pandemic has placed new pressure on the nation's property market. In this timely episode, our host, Sarah Meganson, is joined by Melinda Jennison, Property Investment Advisor and Managing Director of Streamline Property Buyers. The two sit down to discuss how investors can navigate this time of uncertainty and share some hopeful insight to how investors can seize new opportunity as it may present. Welcome to the latest episode of Yip Talk, your investment properties podcast, where we talk about all things related to property investing, renting, landlords, everything to do with growing your wealth through real estate. And today our guest on the show is Melinda Jennison from Streamline Property. Welcome, Melinda. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. It is certainly a very interesting time to chat. <laughs> we are uh, going talking, on in the world. Isn't there? Oh my gosh, we we lined this up um, about a month ago. We said, yeah, let's have a chat. And back then, we we set the topic as let's talk about Brisbane's property market. Well, a lot has changed in just four weeks. I think the most that has ever changed has has happened. <laughs> Yes, it's um everything's turned on its head, and um and now it's all about operating in a different environment, and it's affecting all people in all industries. But uh, you know, it's just a case of understanding how to navigate through it all, and that's what um I think we can chat about more today. Yeah, and that's I think the perfect way to put it. It's about navigating in a different environment. Um, it's just certainly been a really scary month you know for most of us uh I personally was caught in the middle of selling and buying so right now I'm paying for two houses which is just awesome absolutely great place to be (laughs) and um you know I did I listed a property for sale a week before this all hit so um you know we've taken that off the market and that I think brings me to the first point of discussion that I wanted to have with you is there's all sorts of forecasts. Of course, everyone wants a little bit of certainty at the moment, which doesn't really exist, but that's what everyone is seeking. So we're seeing all sorts of forecasts and premonitions in in the media saying property prices are going to fall 10% or 20% or we're going to have a huge crash. Um, you know, my experience is having been a journalist, a real estate journalist for 15 years is that that yes, we will see prices fall, but it's going to be more as a result of uh, consumer appetite, consumer confidence, and and this fall in in demand rather than uh, I, I guess an economic basis for this happening. You know, it's not like other boom and bust cycles where you have a market that booms and then it reaches its peak and then it starts to correct and you see prices moderate and supply and demand and all of those factors are at play. This is more yeah. of a a really um, crazy set of circumstances and I think the people that are selling and that are going to experience these losses are the people that are really desperate to sell. Um, so what are your thoughts generally on this whole, <laughs> this whole you know, craziness that has been happening in these projections? Oh, yes, it's a very good question and I think the number one point that I'll make is that we're, we're all navigating this um, as it's something that hasn't happened for over 100 years, so it's new to all of us. Um, but the biggest thing that we are seeing is that the consumer sentiment has, has really taken a dive and obviously that certainly softens the demand or the real-time demand for property. Uh, So here in Brisbane, we've definitely seen a real drop-off in demand. Prior to coronavirus or COVID-19, we were seeing buyer depth that was 
um, larger than we've seen for many, many years. And most properties were either going to multiple offer or we had multiple registered bidders at auction. Um, and it was really starting to see price prices being pushed upwards simply because there were a lot more buyers than there were sellers. And obviously yeah. that creates that imbalance. In the last three weeks, and it really has been that short of a time period, um, it's since open homes have been cancelled, since auctions have been taken off the cards in a public forum, we have seen a real shift in sentiment and a lot of buyers, particularly investment property buyers, are taking a wait and see approach. We've definitely seen that with our buyer group being buyers agents. Most of our investors are much more cautious about moving forward with a purchase at the current time. And I think the uncertainty is not so much around um, what's going to happen, um, you know, long term. It's more about the short term uncertainties. Can we secure a tenant? What government legislation is going to be put in place to protect landlords and tenants? And because all of that at, at the time of this recording is still not firm, it's still not passed here in Queensland anyway um, through government, there's a lot of uncertainty and people want certainty so that they can minimise their risk before they move forward with an investment purchase. Of course, the other big unknown is what's going to happen to unemployment um, and that's largely going to be driven by how long is coronavirus going to impact our lives and how long are we going to be in this new environment where we're unable to go about our daily activities in the normal way and no one can predict that. The government's being, um, you know, quite stern with their predictions of six months but we really don't know how soon they're going to start opening things up and I think they're being led by, um, you know, advice that, that people really don't know. And that's the uncertainty for the future that no one can really answer. It is such a great unknown. I think that's, um, that's I guess, the scariest part or the most untested part of this is the unknowns build on unknowns. <laughs> we don't, we've never had a, a crisis like this before. We've never had this kind of national response required, um, you know, in terms of economic stimulus and support. And, and like you said, people just don't know how they're going to pay their bills, pay their rent. Um, so that's a really scary proposition to look at buying an investment property um, when yeah. you don't, when there's so many unknowns. And I think one of the aspects of it that we've tried really hard at your investment property to, to remind people of is to really uh, narrow down those discussions or really focus those discussions onto the worst case scenarios of everything because Absolutely. when you look at it with all of this this scariness um all the unknowns it is it's quite terrifying but you know I'm an investment property owner myself so I've had to go through all of the unknown or all of the the worst case scenarios what if my tenant completely stops paying rent well what are my options have I got landlord's insurance um if they completely stop paying rent, even for three months, do I have enough money to cover that mortgage for that period? Or if not, what are my options? What are my plan Bs? Um, you know, even looking at if you don't get paid rent uh, for a period, um, you're still going to be paying a mortgage, which is going to be very difficult, but uh, you'll be able to claim that against your tax. So, you know, forward project it in, in a few months' time when you're claiming your tax and you're going to get some of that back. Um oh. You know, there's, there's so many different aspects that you need to work through and I think it's really important to have an advisor or an accountant or someone you really trust to work through it with you to, from a financial perspective, work through the um, the nuts and bolts of what this is going to mean for you in the short term at least because that's, you know, everyone is thinking very short term right now. 
completely understandably. Um, it's it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's about, exactly, it's about unpacking what's happening right now. And, and like you were saying at the time of recording this, we're still quite up in the air with a number of the the resources or the stimulus packages and the support packages that are happening. Um, in a few states, in Queensland and in Victoria, they have announced the intentions of what the state government plans to do uh, in terms of supporting landlords and tenants. Um, it seems like at the moment they're going through this route of, uh, of relaxing land tax, so giving discounts or deferments on land tax in an effort to help landlords. And I'm interested yeah. in your views on that as a as a tactic to help landlords, how helpful do you think that strategy is going to be? Yeah, look, it's a good question. Um, to be honest, a lot of mum and dad investors here in Queensland um, who own the property in joint names, land tax thresholds um, are such that they may not actually be even charged land tax. So it's not going to bring any immediate relief for landlords who may only have one investment property in their own names. Obviously, land tax thresholds are different if you own a property in a different structure, for example, a company trust, a company or a trust. But um, that's not something that we'll go into. I guess what landlords are looking for is more immediate relief. And at the moment, uh, you know, from a landlord's perspective, they really need to weigh up risk associated with um, you outlined it before, you know, what assistance is available to the tenant? Um, and we do know that the federal government have announced the job seeker package and the job keeper package. And that, um, that sort of assistance should be starting to flow through the economy late in April. Um, and I know here in Queensland that the state government have announced a four-week rental assistance package or rental assistance grant for any people that are in financial hardship who are renters who can't cover the payment between when they first lost their jobs potentially and when the federal government stimulus starts to kick in. But we can break that down to look at, you know, well, different property or different property markets will potentially see different levels of impact as well because I know, you know, property values and therefore mortgage values and therefore mortgage repayments are very different depending on what area someone owns an investment property in and um, the median monthly mortgage repayments are going to be different depending on where a property is located as well. So the federal stimulus is a blanket amount regardless of location where you live, whereas affordability for um, what the median rent payments is or what the median mortgage repayments are in different locations does vary. So I think that the um, People need to understand the risk and, and understand what is available to a tenant um, in, in the area that they own an investment property and then looking at their own um, risk mitigation strategies, contacting their bank to find out what type of repayment or interest deferral relief might be available to them as a worst-case scenario, looking at local uh, government rates, for example. I know here in Brisbane, the the council are looking at helping landlords who may not be able to meet rate repayments. Um, that's certainly happening in the commercial space as well. So it's it's actually understanding everything that's available to a landlord and and weighing up that that risk and then making sure that you've got those buffers in place. I mean that's fundamental to any property investment strategy. And there might be some more aggressive investors out there who haven't. Um, left in place a good financial buffer for circumstances like this, but it brings us back to basic fundamentals when it comes to investing and risk mitigation strategies and having those buffers in place 
really helps to ensure that people can see themselves through these sorts of times um, and then not be, become forced sellers uh, because I think at the moment there's a lot of stimulus in place and a lot of support in place for the next six months. But if this lasts longer than six months, you know, the government support, it's its not going to be there forever. So people need to understand, well, what may come post the first six months if we're still being impacted by, you know, the coronavirus and, and what it's doing to our daily lives at the moment. Yes, yeah, so that falls under the giant category of the great unknown, doesn't it? <laughs> we Absolutely. have no idea what will be this time next month, let alone in six months from now. Um, and there is there is so much um there are so many complexities as part of this you know there are a lot of measures out there um you know for instance the mortgage deferrals but that is really such a last it's a last port of call if you have the ability to pay your mortgage your bank is really unlikely to give you that kind of relief and by the ability i mean if you've got a small amount of savings or if you're still employed um, you know, the, 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 that's, I think some of the mainstream media have really represented that as a, as this lifeline for landlords and it's giving tenants the mis, I guess the misrepresentation or the misunderstanding that landlords are not going to be paying their mortgage for six months. So therefore I can, I can get a reprieve on my rent. And it's, it's not quite that simple. Uh, you know, none of this is simple, but there are, I've noted with that Queensland uh, rental relief you were talking about, that's uh, up to $500 per week. And the guidelines around that are really um, smart and really clear. You know, there's strict oh. criteria. You have to have had an impact to your income. You still have to be paying a minimum of 30, uh, 30% of your income to your rent. So there's, yes. um, you know, there's a lot of rules around that, which I think are going to make that really useful. But the, this land tax reprieve they're looking at, um, I don't see how that's going to help landlords in a really substantial way. The the Victorian one, um, as the date of recording this, has just been released and I looked into it today and they're offering landlords a 25% uh, reduction in their land tax. Now, if you're in Victoria and you own a property that is worth all the land component, so land tax is levied on the land component only, if you Correct. own properties that are worth land value of $750,000, um, which means you probably have an asset base of, you know, maybe $1.5 million or more, if you have that, your land tax liability is around $1,750 and they're going to give you 25% off that. So you're going to save, uh, you know, around $400. Bucks, $450. It's that, not a lot, is it? <laughs> that's not going to offset what what really needs to happen, which is you know a landlord in that situation might have to give their tenant one hundred and fifty dollars a week off their rent for six months. You know, so we're not we're not talking we're comparing apples and oranges. A landlord is is getting a few hundred bucks off as a one off, whereas a tenant is seeking ongoing support. So. I think there's just so many complex discussions that have to be made. I know I've been having a lot of discussions, you know, with my property managers for my tenants to talk about different scenarios. Um, a property manager I was talking to last week said she's, again, depending on the property, but one um, one property was listed for 680 and she got a new tenant at 600 because that's what the market supported in that particular area. Um you know, it's so, so it's going to require a whole different way of thinking. And I guess the landlord in that scenario is going to be saying 600 a week is better than nothing. Mm, um, absolutely. And look, I think that that's a sensible approach for landlords if they are accepting something as opposed to nothing, even if it is a discount. And we've had some clients where we had purchased properties prior to 
you know, the, the pandemic breaking out and they've had longer settlement periods and by the time they've settled, they're in the mix of, you know, the worst of, of what has been going on around us and, you know, through consultation with property managers um, and our support, having a property where you may have discounted um, the rent by $50 a week and, and putting someone in for six months, we can quantify that risk as being, you know, just over $1,000. Well, that's going to be a better risk to take rather than trying to achieve what you would normally have been able to achieve, you know, only mm. a month ago because how long, you know, your property is vacant, if, if for every week that it's vacant, that may be another $500 that you're missing out on. So getting someone yeah. in just to cover this uncertain period is actually not a bad strategy and it's quantifiable risk. Mm. And I think when we're talking to clients, it's all about let's quantify the risk because in my opinion right now is actually quite an opportunistic time to be looking at positioning to buy an investment property as long as you can quantify the risk. I mean, being able to negotiate on a property without the competition that we've had recently is a much more powerful position for a buyer to be in and therefore it is possible that you can secure these properties at a price that you might not have been able to secure them for just four to six weeks ago. So if we know that we can quantify, even if we're factoring in six months of vacancy with no rent, we can quantify that amount. And if we know that we can negotiate at least that amount off the potential asking price, then investment, you have to look at the numbers. And and if that's a risk that someone's happy to move forward with, at least you can um, you can quantify those numbers and move forward knowing what that risk is. And that's another way that some um, investors that are going against the majority are looking at um, doing. And if they're in a stable job of their own, there may not be, you know, there hasn't been a time like this recently where people can get in with the lowest ever interest rates in a non-competitive market because a lot of buyers are sitting on the sidelines. Um, and the, the evidence from every previous recession that the economy has been through shows that property price growth does accelerate um, when things start to improve. The and hardest thing for investors yeah. is when is going to be the right time. If, if exactly. they can afford to buy now, that's great. But as the market starts to move, if you're going to be tapping in when everyone else is moving back into the market, you will be entering a more competitive market. And it's likely that you will then have to pay more to secure the property because more buyers creates more competition and then that's what pushes prices up. And I think this is what plays into that whole longer-term conversation, doesn't it? You know, before we were talking about the short-term risk mitigation and the short-term considerations that you have to have, but this is now talking more long-term. You know, if you are in the financial position to look at this over the next 12 to 24 months rather than just the next two to three months, um, yeah then you are going to see that there is potential opportunity here. And by the same token, it goes the other way. Um, What you're saying about quantifying the financial risks is so spot on. I was talking to someone this week who uh, they had a friend who was selling a property and they said the advice from their agent was you need to drop your asking price by $200,000. And this was on the Gold Coast and they were asking in the 800,000s range and the, the real estate agent said you need to drop it to the 600s. I think that's quite um, reckless and self-serving on behalf of the real estate agent. Obviously, they're a little bit scared and need an income, but I think that that advice is really, um, it's not 
helpful. Uh, if you looked at the numbers, you could say actually holding, even if they were committed elsewhere and they were paying for two properties, if they had to hold on to that mortgage and it was costing them, say, 600 bucks a week, so it was costing them $25,000, $30,000 for 12 months to just sit there with an empty house, that oh. means in 12 months' time they could be relisting that property into a market that is has a lot of pent-up demand and where prices are great. It might not be 12 months. It might be 18 months. It might be two years. Even if you projected that worst case scenario and said in two, it's going to take two years for the market to recover, that would cost them twenty five to thirty grand for two years. So say sixty thousand dollars versus losing two hundred thousand dollars if they sell today. Um, and in two years' time, it might be worth a hundred grand, two hundred grand more than what they're asking today. So that's why it's so important to have these discussions with people who can give you, you know, kind of advice based on many years in the industry and, and looking oh. at the holistic view. If you can afford to hold on right now, my advice, you know, overall is hold. Do not sell right now unless you absolutely have to. And I say that as someone who is feeling the very strong financial pinch of paying for two homes right now um, oh. because selling it is when you crystallise the loss and if you can hold it, you know, you can get to the other side of whatever this catastrophe is and and make a decision then rather than making a decision right now based in fear it's really really hard right now to see the other side of this but we know that it will come we know that downturns and and you know crises they don't last forever it's it's a moment in time so um trying to adopt that long-term view is really essential and i think it's also time for everyone to have a think about what where their moral compass stands on these types of things these are not just financial decisions you know giving your as a landlord giving your tenant a break in their or you know reducing their rent for the short term whatever it may be whatever decision you come to these are ethical and moral decisions you want to make as well um you know i know myself as a landlord i have quite a bit of compassion for my tenants they've got families and kids and hugely stressful times so if i can make their life easier for the next month or two, then I'm going to be making that choice, even if it is at a financial disadvantage. For me in the short term, you know, I'm not going to put myself into financial stress, but I will be able to find ways to help them, um, you know, in a way, in a win-win. And I think that's really what Scott Morrison's um, messaging has been this whole time, has is that landlords and tenants need to work together and find solutions that everyone can live with. Everyone is going to have to play their part, he keeps saying, and it's really true. We all are going to need to redefine, you know, what it means for us to to help the community and that comes in so many different ways at the moment um it's showing up in you know everything from just grabbing the toilet paper you need to you know what you're paying for your accommodation and all of those other micro discussions in between i think you've nailed it there and um i think the commentary has been has been let's just be australian about this because you know it's not fair on a landlord if a tenant is seeking compensation when they don't actually need it yeah. it's not yeah, on a tenant, if a landlord is um, not uh, compromising on the rent and and making some adjustments, if the tenant genuinely needs it, so it is. It's about working together. It's about being Australian about it, uh, because you know I think that we've got to keep focus on the fact that this is a health crisis, um, and the government is the the cause of the economic crisis because they've shut us down because of the economic crisis. So this is a controlled shutdown. It's not not something that um, has, has come about because of, you know, 
financial crises overseas, I mean, we've come from a very strong foundation. So once we get through the health crisis, there's so much stimulus that the government has now put into the economy that we will be moving into a state where people, you know, the jobs will will open up again when the economy or when the business opens up again. So it is a short-term shutdown. Um, It may have some longer-term implications for some industries, Um, And relating that back to property, there's certainly going to be some locations that are going to take longer to recover, locations that do depend on things like um, travel and tourism, for example. Um, And And discretionary spending. I think discretionary spending, any industry that relies on discretionary spending um, is going to it's going to find it, find their feet in a new way and it's really hard right now to predict what that will be because there are some of us who as soon as things open up again we're going to use whatever we're comfortable with to get out and about and interact with society again because we miss it That's um, right. there, will, there will be some of us who are so you know have, have been so scarred by this experience that we don't want to spend a single cent where we don't have to so all of those discretionary items the gym memberships the going out for a drink after work all of that you know buying lunch buying coffees that's all going to be put on the back burner so it's really hard to know which way um people will go and it will be a really personal decision for everyone based on their own circumstances um and that falls into that giant bucket of unknowns again doesn't it absolutely yeah let's let's throw that into the mix and you know i think it does also depend on how long we are in shutdown the longer that we all have to stay at home work from home you know school our parents from uh, sorry homeschool our children from home you know that um it's all of that is going to be dependent on um you know what it looks like on the other side and the longer we are kept in our homes the more use we'll we'll get to being like this and um for some it'll it'll mean that the other side is um is not something that they look forward to anymore as much and for others they won't you know they'll really look forward to getting out and about and stuff live life again it depends on the individual I suppose yeah yeah and and you know just like you said we're all kind of in this together so we're all going to have to navigate this new normal together and figure it out there are some really beautiful stories that have come out um one of my friends uh, her sister is a doctor and she was posting on her social media that um they've kind of started this fund and locals are pitching in money to buy the local doctors and nurses and cleaners and everyone that works at the hospital they've been going to all the local cafes and buying them coffee and lunch um which is just such a really easy tangible way to help you can and she set up a little gofundme and people could donate five bucks or however much they could afford and it's just a way to say thank you to these people who are right on the front line dealing with this um to give them something nice in their day they're getting a nice lunch or a coffee to just get them through the day but also importantly all of those small businesses that were getting a steady stream of business uh you know are now really struggling and this is a way to tangibly keep them going and give them support lots of these little ways of supporting your community are starting to come forward so it's encouraging to see you know people embrace these nice ways of of just giving back and I think we've all got a lot of time on our hands at the moment and uh, we're all really thinking about what it means to be part of the community and what our role is going to be in rebuilding Australia after this Um, we're certainly so so lucky when you look at other countries our our geography I think plays a big part in that being a giant island has been a blessing Absolutely. And I think our population density to some degree is assisted because we don't live on top of each other like some of the European yeah. American um, 
places that are not doing so well. We do have, when, when our government says stay at home, a lot of us live in a house with a block of land and we're really not on top of each other. So it does help for, you know, minimisation of um, community transmission, which is what we're trying to, to do at the moment. And it seems to be working. And I, I mean, here in Queensland, we've had um, so few numbers over the last seven days that, you know, things are looking really positive. And I know a lot of other states are tracking very well also. So, so we've got to look at the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's well, it. I'd love to have another chat with you in about six months and see where things stand then. I'm sure it will be a very interesting conversation. But I really appreciate your time today, Melinda. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Sarah. Nice to chat. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yip Talk. For more from Sarah Meganson, our editor, and the expert guests that join her, be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for the latest episodes and insights you need as a property investor.